Welcome to the sickest episode of the podcast I've ever had. And I mean that because I'm not really feeling well. I would go as far as to say that I am sick. <coughs> Coughing not for dramatic timing reasons, but genuine reasons. Uh, I'm in the old standby of the turbine room, but I've uh, done some soundproofing a little bit, so you guys have to let me know if that makes a difference. And again, I will be coughing, probably sniffling, uh, just sipping tea and water, and just generally being surly about my um, level of comfort and general malaise that I feel. Um, I don't even remember. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember what I'm doing today. Um, the point of this episode was I'm going to talk about some Age of Sigmar. But are you ready? Age of Sigmar. <laughs> Indeed. Whole episode based around that. Not really, it came afterwards, but... Um, yeah, I ordered some in the mail, and they came. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a pre-story. And my story will have stories upon stories. It's a layered fable. But a true tale, nonetheless. Uh, yeah, no, this is from my childhood, as I explained with, with Warhammer, it, all, it always goes back there, and I've kind of explained this in the Warhammer, the 40k episode, but, um, I had orcs as an army, about 6,000 points of orcs if you painted it upright. By that I mean, like, if you tallied it, because there is painting involved, and I don't think the expression painting them upright holds a lot of water, because painting is sort of a subjective, you know, personal art thing you do, but... Mine looked like shit. <laughs> Mine were like... Oh, man. Mine were like the first models that I ever put brushes to. The first anything, I guess. Besides, like, canvas finger painting or... What am I saying? Canvas, like... Paper finger painting in school. Um, some of them were so atrocious. Like, they looked like they were just dipped in the paint pot. But then I enjoyed seeing my sort of evolution, and then by the end of it, I doubled back, and it was nice to restore the really terrible ones. And uh, Alongside the orcs, I had about 2,000 points of wood elves, the defenders of uh, Forest Athelorian. And as I said, well, I'll get to what happened to them, but that was at a time where they hadn't I always get fucked up with the, the additions and stuff because it's different for 40k and fantasy and they were changing all the time they hadn't like come out with box sets for these guys of plastic there were a few but the old school ones and most of my army came from blister packs of 1 to 3 units like imagine building a unit of like 12 archers by having to buy like 4 packs of 3 and they I forget if it was of 3 or of 2 but I remember one day, my mom was such a trooper about our hobby, like, she was the best about that. They would, like, she'll take us to the store, leave us there, give us, like, five bucks for lunch, because back then that was, like, more than enough. And we had a designated pickup spot. We didn't have cell phones, but she always made sure we had enough coins to make a call. And, yeah, no, it was a good time. Uh, I remember one time she came to pick me up, and, like, I, I don't know, I'd done well in school or something. I'm like, because of these circumstances, like, would you be okay with getting me, like, this unit? And, like... She's like, all right, let me see. And it was like one blister pack. And she's like, all right, that's cool. Why not? And then I'm like, but I need eight of these. <laughs> it's like, in the end, she got me like three or four. It was legit. She got me a whole unit. I, I never forgot that. I don't know if she even remembers. But like, I never forgot. I was like, wow. Because it wasn't like a holiday or anything. And like, it's weird because I, there's such a commentary on the price of Warhammer as this uh, 
it is sort of an entrance barrier for getting into the hobby because there is a very steep startup cost. That's true, but long term, it's really not that expensive of a hobby. I mean, I know people that go out and spend 40, 50 bucks to get a bottle of wine and drink for the night on a Friday. So imagine you spend that, but on something that will be there forever. So, yeah. Um, in order, in descending order, my smallest uh, functioning army was about a 500 to 1,000 point army of dwarves. Um, just standard. Now I guess you would call them the dispossessed. Uh, just normal, like, couple, two squads of uh, standard dwarves, like one with shields, one with crossbows, a regiment of iron breakers, an organ gun, some, you know, like just a standard sons of Durin, Durin, I don't know, uh, Grugni, anyway. Uh, it was a good time, but of those three armies, uh, when I had moved away to university, I had moved away on amicable terms with my dad because he had sold our childhood home that he apparently built in our name for, like, tax evasion reasons or something, but he said it was to leave us the house, but when you're selling the house, that's kind of full of shit anyway, but he leaves us, I think, ten grand each, which, at that age when anyone is handed a lump sum like that, it's like, holy shit, like, like, dollar signs for eyes, like, we're in the money, but, you know, you, you realize for a second, the rent, like, alone, when you're living alone over a 12-month period, will eat most of that, I don't know where y'all live, but Toronto is the most expensive city in Canada, and Vancouver, go stuff it, okay, like, I get it, you guys have a meth problem, and you got, like, a bunch of junkies, and it's expensive, but it's expensive because everyone started leaving Toronto to go there because Toronto was so expensive. Vancouver is a nice city. It's just, a, as anyone in the States is familiar with California, and it's sort of like, uh, you know, Asiatic crime problems with the triads and immigration and sort of dockside crime and methamphetamine rampantness and just sort of homeless issues and... A lot of stuff I'm not going to go into. I'm no expert on Californian metropolitan politics. And, but in in Toronto, stuff is expensive. And for a one-bedroom apartment, um, expect to pay between $1,500 to $2,000. And the, Ameri- the Canadian dollar and the American dollar are pretty much the same thing. We're a little under. We're usually like 0.8 or something or 0.9. But lately, I think it's neck and neck. Sometimes we're, we outstrip them, and that's a hell of a shopping day. <laughs> you see all the... Canadians and their war wagons heading down to Buffalo. War wagons, I mean sedans. It's not like Mad Max. I kind of picture it's like the music and it's Fury Road style, everyone heading for the border. Um, but, well, yeah. I gotta say as well, guys, I'm pretty high on a lot of cold medicine right now because I, I got up at like 4.30 just from not being able to sleep from being sick and then was like, well, may as well go start the day and go to work. <laughs> so... Um, sitting there, like, waiting for my bus, which uh, fortuitously was, was very close to when I got outside. Otherwise, the next one was, like, 35 minutes after, and I would have just straight up, like, just gone home. That, that would have been it. I mean, maybe you call it Uber, but if someone tells you to you know, fucking wait 35 minutes out, like, 5 in the morning, in a Canadian springtime, which is pretty much the ass end of winter, so winter in a lot of other countries. Uh, yeah, so, excuse my general whatever this is. 
obligatory How I Met Your Mother salute of general whatever this is. Um, I'll just keep it short. Uh, shit's expensive in Toronto, yo. Uh, apartments are a lot. Cost of living's a lot. And, yeah, so... You gotta work, man. You gotta slave to that grind. Also, I really, like, enjoy... Uh, I work for the federal government, so, like, I... I you know, enjoy the company I work for. I really believe in Canada, and despite who may be leading it at the time, you know, it's not really about who's steering the ship. I believe in the ship in general, so it's nice. It's not like some days where I'm dragging myself in there, like the last company, I'm like a fucking, my boss is a tool, like I hate the environment, we do meaningless work, and it's like, need that dollar bills. Like, that's not a very fulfilling way to to go about. But Anyway, uh, I think I got into expensiveness because I was explaining my dad's like, here's ten grand, like, you now live on your own, and so obviously in year one and part of year two, it was great, and then the money runs out, and like, the house is gone, he fucked off and did his own thing, but it's not about my dad, I promise you guys, because I've had questions both from loved ones and strangers about, like, going into more of it, because I have a very complicated and long relationship with my dad, there's no, like, weird sexual abuse, nobody needs to, like, make weird posts or speculations about that, there's just, like a person who is a dick and who is in no way, shape, or form ready to be a parent or to be a father and who I never saw fully as one, especially past the age of a small child because he just... It was like living with like a, an RA or like a really strict, like a military liaison or something. It was just someone who was there to provide the necessities but any luxuries he would argue with you about, there was, like, constant belittling, humiliation, insulting, yet, like, no swearing was allowed or raising of the voice. There were, like, really rigidly enforced rules about, like, eating and how your posture had to be, otherwise your food was taken away. I will give you guys that episode. It will come. Maybe that'll be Father's Day. We'll see. <laughs> but uh, I'm trying to be more positive in general in, in terms of the, quote, vibes I put out about fatherhood because I have the chance to do right for the life of my son, and I think everybody that grows up with subpar parents wants to do their best to make sure that their kids are given what they wanted. You know, I always think about how Batman became Batman because there was no Batman when he needed it, and he doesn't sit there and mope about it, he becomes the the change he wants to see in the world. Obviously, that's Gandhi. Um, you have to you have to put out better than you get. You can't be a victim of circumstance and of fate and of being dealt a shitty hand. Um, you know, General Patton says one of my most all-time favorite quotations, just something that I, I, you know, I always tend to find myself scrawling somewhere at some point. And it's because he was at a, a war meeting and this came up and someone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we have to strike while the iron is hot. And he's like, no. You don't strike while the iron is hot, you make the iron hot by striking. And that is just not only phenomenal rhetoric for the military and for sports, and it is a. It just it, it tells you don't wait for the circumstances to be in your favor, make the circumstances in your favor. You know, change up the board to suit you. Just, you know, do what you gotta do out there, guys. Be positive, put out positive. I've been in a bit of a mentally a low place because of the uh, the shooting Christchurch, and obviously I have no personal connection to that. In the, in the farthest, I've never been to New Zealand, nor do I even think I know anybody still from New Zealand. And 
Um, I'm obviously not a Muslim. I have no connection. It just, you know, any house of prayer or whatever kind, like, these are just people who are not just, by definition, peacefully assembling, but, like, they're assembling in a, just a good faith, gentle environment in, in the spirit of brotherhood and you know, for anyone to be killed is so tragic and to be taken out of their prime, whatever, even if it's not their prime, just to have their life stolen from them at any opportune, there, there is no opportune moment for that ever to happen. And it just, it's always going to be sad. And it's, it's just, it's very resonating. We just live in a very sad, dark time. And it's not to say it's a curtain that's been thrown over us that we can't shrug off. It's just, it, it, it's a heavy curtain now. We really all have to do our best to not get dragged down by that. Uh, I was, you know, I was very moved to find out that one of the biggest donors in response was a synagogue, which to me is, this is just such an awesome, like, story of brotherhood and Jews and Muslims working together, which there's just so much bad blood about, and it's nice to move past it. Um, but the Pittsburgh uh, synagogue that was the victim of the shooting about a year ago Maybe less than, I don't know. Um, one of their biggest donors, I think, when I'd read about it, it was thirty or $40,000, which is a number that was, I think, equal to what uh, a Muslim community had raised for the synagogue for their shooting, and it's just good people helping good people, and it's such an absolute human tragedy that circumstances like this have to happen to, sh to show that kind of light, but it's always important to remember that light's there. Um, I guess I'm gonna swim a little out of the deep dive pool of feels that we were in there. Um, back to Warhammer. The reason it, you know, there's there's uh, substantial memories and, and nostalgia and fondness in Warhammer with me. It's not just a hobby, as I've explained. So those three armies, the orcs, the wood elves, and the dwarves, I played constantly. It, enjoyed them to a level of hobbying that was, you know, at times the majority of the social interaction. Even from here, I can, I can hear Nelson going like, nerd, or like, ha! I know it was Homer that yells nerd when they're on the campus. I just, you know, you just, I can hear him doing such things. Anyway, I'm not, it's not to say that I didn't have friends. I had friends, and as I mentioned in the last one, they were sort of the introduction point, but it was a hobby that you could do alone, like a solitaire game. You could build the pieces alone and paint and convert them and read the stories alone. And the games were fun, and I had my brother and some friends, but, it, you know, it was very... Warhammer's there for you almost like a person, like a friend. A sort of a comfortable universe that I... Even now that I, I enjoy, it's, it's massive. I can read pages on the wiki, which... I love and is extremely detailed and through some sheer dumb luck or will of the emperor manages to evade my works um, like content screen blocker thing for non-work stuff so god bless you fandom wiki <laughs> but those three armies met their tragic end not on any battlefield or honorable place of combat but in I guess a dumpster or something because my dad and I had a falling out in my second year after moving away from home that details of which, not to it's not like a cliffhanger 
clickbait kind of thing, but I'm going to it in the dad episode, the dad episode, um, because contextually it just, it needs to be part of a bigger story, but, um, as soon as he and I parted ways, and I promise you there, it was not on good terms, um, I found out a couple, I would find out a couple months later, but I imagine it happened pretty instantly, he had thrown out pretty much all my stuff, and I mean, when you move away as a kid, you leave stuff that you don't need to take with you at home, and the assumption that obviously it'll be there, my mom had moved around a lot, and I'll go into it obviously with the other stuff, but leaving a ton of stuff, sentimental or otherwise, at her place wasn't always really available, so most of my stuff was in my closet and stuff, my childhood bedroom, my dad's, because I'd grown up in the same house, and everything from, I don't know, like, my coveted, like, Beanie Baby collection, and first books, like some signed Harry Potter books, and um, action figures. I'm looking on Amazon. I'm going to rebuy my Mystic Knights of Tyranog figures, but um, everything in it, you know, wound up being room by room a, a purge. So those three armies were chucked out. And it sucked. I mean, the amount of time and effort you spend building and painting an army. I mean, anyone who enjoys any hobby can tell you, but especially even a, a casual Warhammer player can tell you. I mean, just. A whole case of orcs, like a whole old-school GW, three-trade, red foam, full of them. Grimgore Ironhide, my star general of hundreds of battles. Converted, awesome. He had, like, a huge wog banner coming out of his back. and um, <laughs> Probably something I... I think I did change it later. I gave him, like, a crazy Eldar craft world blade of some kind, because I picked it up at, like, a swap meet at a convention, but... I, I think later would would change it to something a little more orky. But Grimward takes trophies. It's fine. Uh, yeah, so those three armies, when they were gone, hurt for a very long time, and I just didn't want to play Warhammer at all. And uh, as I said, the Space Wolves on the side, and especially in high school, that became something nice. And by the time I came out of it a couple of years ago, I was sort of ready to, I don't know, jump in again. It healed. Then Age of Sigmar happened. So, uh, Age of Sigmar is a rebranding and, uh, I don't know, reset and reimagining of the Warhammer Fantasy game. Uh, it's mirrored a lot more to the update of, like, the updated version of 40k, where you can play a game with small squads low point costs, the rules are simplified and you can find them on sheets instead of like books or on cards and stuff um yeah, so many, there's like new armies the biggest change I would say actually is the, instead of playing an army as you would before or the golden spot I thought they had it was where you could play an army but then take like allies and battle brothers and different armies but now you're part of an alliance and there's four there's other order, which is the good guys but then like, there's a ton of people that don't belong in that category, and there's destruction, which is orcs, pretty much, and ogres, and just, like, war for the sake of war, and deaths, so you got your vampires, your, you know, necropolis cities from the Transylvanian and uh, Cambrian lands, and then you have chaos, obviously, always fucking chaos, and that's, like, demons and everything, too, so I always wanted to play some 
you know, some stuff, some units from random armies, but you never could do it. So I took this as a chance to heal and to not rebuild, because honestly, not only could I never replace it, but I, I never really would want to, because now, like, finding a time to do a 2,000-boy fantasy game alone is, is ridiculous. So, like, having three or 4,000 points of orcs, let alone other armies, they will live in my memory forever, and I, I mourn their passing, and I'm not going to play any of those armies. That was the thing. Um, just sworn off them. It's like when you retire as, like, a legend in sports. I imagine my sports analogies are never great. They take your jersey out, and it's like, he, he was so good. Like, let's just leave it as a winning record. You know, retire on top. They were great. They were good armies. So I, I've vowed to play around them. So I started, uh, I have about six Stormcast Eternals, which are like, imagine the sort of like MO of angels, but they're like gold-plated space marines with like faith bows and swords and shit. So they're cool. I got like, they have a griffin dog, so I got that. And they're joined by something I always wanted to use, the lizard man. There's a skink priest with feather cloak. And this is like the dumbest model, the silliest little throwaway thing. That it, but I love it so much, and it's so tactically useful. Firstly, I just love blue lizard man, so I'm going to paint him up blue with a nice, like, parrot feathered cloak. But this fucker can fly, and the mobility of that, moving like 20 inches over any terrain and any elevation is amazing. And he's a fucking spellcaster. So he's a nimble, fight-capable, flying spellcaster gonna get more, I'm gonna get some Sauruses, maybe some Croxagores. I don't think I'm ever gonna have, like, a big T-Rex on the field, but that'll always be the dream. Carnosaur or something. Um, I would not use a Wood Elf. I was very close to getting a few Glade Guard, or I have a really soft spot for the Eternal Guard. Um, that was, like, my general handle. Um, when I played them, because, in my opinion, they're the coolest. The Wood Elves live and die by the cycle of the forest. And so in the winter, they're all dead. Um, spiritually, energy levels, some physically. And so the only thing that holds back evil from invading, because evil knows this, and the beastmen especially will attack then, the only thing that holds them back is a small group of very, very well-trained Wood Elves called the Eternal Guard, who take it upon themselves to not move an inch and to, like, protect the forest when, you know, the winter is, like, their... Anathema? Anthema? I don't know. I'm really not feeling well, guys. Winter is, is bad for them as much as anybody else, but they just endure it and, like, thrive in it. And they're just the beasts. So, uh, I would not use them out of respect for my fallen armies, so I, I instead went to the other elves I've always been interested in, the high elves. And I got the double pack of, like, this sick elven steed, dragon knight type dude, who's gonna be, like, my, probably, sort of, leader general. He's really good. They're, like, accomplished elven prince knights. And then on foot he's got a soldier, so I'm either going to make him like a converted soldier of some kind, character maybe, or uh, another mage. So I like it, it's sort of like a scrappy alliance, like a glorious bastards kind of, like you get a lizard man, wizard flyer guy, you got um, some elven mage on foot, you got this elven knight on a horse, and then like they're backed up by these angel Space Marines on melee, and then three of them on super bows. I like it. It feels like I get to play fantasy again, but without sort of being reminded that I once ruled the tremendous amount of armies that, you know, I ain't got the time and money to <laughs> fucking redo. I had, like, 
dogs of war, like, like outdated regiments. My brother and I would special order from the store just because we like the models. Uh, the giants, like the old metal giant for orcs and goblins, that was like way better sculpt, with like a halfling tied up in rope. Everything's plastic now. Uh, I get it, the prices are cheaper, but some of the things you want to be metal. Um, yeah, I'll let, you, I'll let you guys know how the game goes. Um, gonna probably do one soon. Ideally, uh, my buddy Pat or Jeff or both might, might jump in, but worst case, I might just run it myself on the table to learn or like uh, grab the wife and see if uh, she'll just take the undead side. Because it comes with, I think, six undead units to counter your good guys. But I will let you people know. Uh, I'm going to probably go now and, I guess, face this illness that is just so fucking irritating. And I don't blame anyone. I mean, everyone's always sick, but it's like I was doing so well, and it's almost spring. Like, it is spring. Yesterday was the first day, but it's still, like, it was drifting snow this morning. And, like, fucking... <sighs> Great white north, man. Um, yeah, so I'm going to leave it there. I did have the spaghetti factory a couple days ago for the first time in Canada. I've had it in the States. I'm a big fan. Um, food is spectacular. It's not, like, super fancy. It just kind of plays like a... And internationally, I don't, I don't know some of these restaurants, but like a, a Kelsey's, Milestones, maybe like a classy TGI Fridays. Uh, my illusions for sort of the international ones maybe won't check, but it's nice. A little on the pricier side of like how average it is, but big portions. I will say it's definitely not the massive portions in the states where like you take home salad and pasta because you could finish neither because everything was huge. Which is great, you have to go to the Spaghetti Factory in Toronto for that, but it's good food. Uh, I did wait an hour and a half with my wife and cousin and his wife for our table, despite a reservation. So if you're going, don't listen to anyone that there is a good time to go. There is not. Be prepared to line up, bring snacks. Endure. <laughs> um, if I'm ever going to talk about a restaurant again, I promise I will get the Spaghetti Factory review first, because that place is fucking dope. Wasting your life if you haven't had the spaghetti with brown butter and mazithra cheese. But that's it, guys. Catch you next time. Um, feel better, he said to himself. 